0: Hey, this is JT, and welcome to another episode of The Critical Thought. Today's episode deals with one of my favorite subjects, Watchtower and money. Money, 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 money. You see, nobody handles money quite like the Watchtower. The Watchtower now has basically instituted its own version of tithing its members. And there is one spreadsheet that I would like to see. And that's a spreadsheet with all the congregations listed on it. Because all the congregations have promised to tithe a certain amount of money each and every month, can you imagine seeing that spreadsheet? Yes, right. The Watchtower now knows for the first time in its history exactly how much money they're supposed to collect from every congregation around the world. In fact, people have written and said and stated to me, you know, we had a local knees talk the other night, and the local knees was about brothers. You promised that you was going to give that money to the society. And yes, they want that money. You see, the Watchtower has had this type of system of tithing in place at the circuit level for decades. And in fact, that's one of the reasons why people often ask, why is our circuit is always running into a deficit? So while Jehovah's Witnesses are out knocking on doors, the Watchtower is saying, where is my money? As the OJ said, money, money, money. The Watchtower has put in place basically a tithing system that they've used for decades, and they used it at the circuit level. Each circuit is required to pay a certain amount of money. We actually have a video that we did. It's one of our classics that went into detail as to why the circuit is always at a deficit. For those of you who haven't seen it, we think you enjoy. And for those who may have seen it before in the past, welcome down memory lane. You're listening to The Critical Thought where we challenge our listeners to use critical thinking when examining the teachings of Jehovah's Witnesses. One of the questions that people often ask is, why does it always appear, and always seems, that every time we have a circuit assembly, we're always running a deficit, we're always in the red. Every time we go to the circuit assembly, you always have someone to go up on the platform and announce, friends, we're in the red, we got a deficit. Well, that's a question I have always asked growing up as one of Jehovah's Witnesses as a kid. I would ask my mom, mom, why are we always in the red? And my mother could never give me a a good answer. She didn't know. Well, I didn't get the answer until I actually became an elder. And one of the assignments that I was given in my circuit was to be the circuit assembly accounts overseer. Now, anybody who's familiar with seminars, seminars are money makers. And interestingly, they're money makers for the society as well. Now, what would often happen is a couple of months before the circuit assembly, what I would do is I would contact other elders in other congregations. I would say, could you do me a favor? Could you make an announcement on your circuit assembly part that we also need people to manage the contribution boxes? And of course, they would put the announcement out on their program. And a couple of days later, I would get calls from friends who would be volunteering to man the contribution boxes located throughout the assembly hall. So this is what typically happens. a Typical circuit assembly. I would arrive around 7.30 in the morning. I would meet with the assembly hall overseer as well as the circuit assembly overseer. And the three of us would be in the office. And what he would have is he would actually have a form that as the accounts overseer I was responsible for. He also would have instructions from the society. Now, here's where the money comes in at. The society actually charges a per publisher rate for every circuit assembly. They will guarantee that a certain amount of money will be generated at the circuit assembly. And it varied. Each circuit assembly, the prices and the rates would vary. So let's say, for example, you had a $10 publisher rate, per publisher rate, and he would actually sit down and we would do the calculation. He would actually fill in the boxes. There was actually boxes where you would put what the per publisher rate was, and then you would figure how many publishers are in this circuit. And it was, this was all filled out on the form, and all of this was going to Brooklyn. So you would fill out what the form says, and so you have a $10 rate, for example. You have a thousand publishers. So now you're already $10,000 in the red and it's 7.30 in the morning. The program hasn't even started. So of course you get the friends located out around the different parts of the floor and everything and then the program starts. Well, interestingly, the district overseer, this is one of his responsibilities is to make sure that the circuit does not end up not having all of his expenses paid. So throughout the entire two days, constantly, I would have to send notes up to the district overseer, let them know this is where we are. Because every time we do the count, he wanted an update. And this is the process that takes place. So what I did, (laughs) I made the mistake of asking the district overseer once. We were staying in the back, I mean, we were staying in the back. And I said, I was asking about these, the per rate. And I said, well, will the per rate change once the assembly hall is paid off and man he looked at me like you must be out of your mind if you think the rate's gonna change and so I mean it, it was just a look on his face like how dare you ask a course like that and of course the rate didn't change when the assembly hall was paid off you know and, and that's just the way it is so anybody, anybody who deals in seminars you know knows that seminars are. You know, large meetings like that, they are literally money makers and the society has effectively used it you know, very, very well. Now, it's interesting because at the end of the circuit assembly, I would typically leave the assembly hall with twelve dollars to $15,000 in cash. Most of it's in cash because most of the friends pay them in paper money as opposed to checks. And I remember so vividly this one situation, I was, it was during lunchtime, and there was this little young this little young fellow. I guess he was about eight or nine years old, I guess. And I looked over there, and I saw him standing there. And he had one of those, those jars that you can get, like, pickled eggs in and, and so forth, for those Dell pickles. And he had it full of pennies. And he was pouring it into the jar, out of the jar, into the... Uh, Contribution box, and I was like, Oh no, because you knew you had to go in the back and count and roll all those pennies. So, you would have your little group of elders and ministerial servants many times that would be part of your team. Typically, we have anywhere between four to six, seven, eight brothers in the back, and we would count the money, roll it up, put it in the bands, and then we count it, and then you have somebody else count it to verify. And so, as a result, you would have all of your money, have all your figures, have all your paperwork done, and anything that was over and above. Well, on the Saturday meeting that the elders had, they would always, they was all agree, whatever we got left over, we send it off to Brooklyn, let the society keep it. And so each time you would literally start your next circular assembly in the red, you would start with nothing in your account many times. So now what's interesting is that you would never have anybody who would actually stand up during the elders' meeting on Saturday and say, well, brothers, shouldn't we keep some of the money in the account? Nobody ever did that. And, and you can understand it. If you've ever been to a kingdom hall where there's a vote, will you pay the seals expense or whatever, once the congregation is told this is what the elders have decided, then very rarely will you find somebody in the kingdom hall is going to say nay. I mean, it's like, I'm not going to say nay. I'm not going to do that. And so because of this, you're able to get things done by just by peer pressure alone. Now, just to give you a little information about some of the background on how the society's system of collecting money uh, has changed, I'll give you a perfect example. Years ago, uh, when the society was having the book study arrangement in the people's homes, uh, the society made the point that you need to have a contribution box at the home of whoever the person is who's having the book study in their home. So if the friends want to contribute, they can. And so you put your money in a little box, and typically the brother who's conducting the book study, he would take the box and go back to the Kingdom Hall, and then he would give it to the accounts overseer who would take care of the money. Well, interestingly, uh, we often think of the witnesses as always honest and so forth. Well, that's, that, they got there's some issues sometime there, and I'll give you this example of this. Uh, the society made a change in how the accounting is done and how the money is collected. For years, one brother could pick up the money at the book study, and one brother could pick up the money at the Kingdom Hall. Typically, a ministerial servant, he was the account servant, and he would have all the financial, putting the money and counting in, putting it into the ledgers and making deposits to the uh, bank and everything. Well, unfortunately, there were uh, ministerial servants who started borrowing money. <laughs> they were stealing, basically. And so what the society did, they put in place a very interesting little policy of good policy. I mean, it's, it's really a good policy, to be honest with you. And that is, it was that two brothers would be required whenever money was being collected. So even on the book study level, when it was in someone's home with maybe 10 or 15 people in someone's home, contribution might be $12, 13 $14. Dollars two brothers had to actually count the money and both of them would have to sign the receipt. That's good accounting, that's good gap practice as they would say. So, two brothers would count the money, put it into the receipt, and they would give it to the brother at the kingdom hall. The account servant at the hall, When he would go around and pick the money out of the boxes, if you notice, he will typically have to have someone with him. There's always two brothers. And if he doesn't have two brothers with him, then he's in violation of what the society's guidelines are. They said, we want two brothers counting the money to make sure that two people sign off on the collection of the money. Now, if you notice, at the Kingdom Hall, at the end of the month, there's an accounts report that is given. Transparency is very important. The organization says transparency is we must have transparency so the friends know where the money is going. And that makes sense. So, a brother walk up on the platform. He would then make the announcement about the accounts and what the congregation standing was and so forth. Then he'll say, this information is gonna be posted so you can all go and look at it. And typically, it'll be up there for week two, three weeks, whatever. Once again, good program. At the circuit assembly, as all of you know, brother goes up on the platform, gives what the accounts are, makes an announcement with how much money was taken up, how much was spent, da-da. So, at all times, people know what the finances are. In fact, people often take their Bible studies. When they bring them to the Kingdom Hall, they'll say, see, right here on our board, it shows what our financial status is, what was taken up, the expenses we had, and how much we collected, and so forth and so on. So at the local congregation level, there is an accounting that is given. In fact, three months every three months, every congregation is required by the society to have an audit done. And then the audit is often announcement made to the congregation. An elder will walk up and say, "Just wanted the congregation know an audit was done, and the books are in good standing. Okay? When I was the accounts overseer for the circuit, a few months after I had finished all my paperwork and paid all the bills and everything, There was an elder that the circuit overseer would assign to come behind me, and he would do an audit on the books that I was holding. And he would make the announcement that the circuit overseer and everybody know books are in good state. So you have this transparency. All right. Now let's move on to the district assembly, what we now call the regional conventions. Okay. What typically happens is if you are a circuit accounts overseer in your circuit, a letter will be sent to you, extending you an invitation to be part of the district or the regional accounts department. So you would get a chance to meet all the other guys in the other circuits who were doing what you were doing. So now at the district level, the accounting process, same basic process, but there's a difference. You have never been to a district convention or a regional convention and they read to you what was taken up and what the expenses were. You will never ever hear what the amount of money is that's taken up. And the district conventions or the regional conventions, they vary. And so these are major money makers for the society. Now, let's take it one step further, just just for the sake of good accounting. The organization never has ever let the friends know how much money is taken up and what is accounted for, they just haven't. And so it's very interesting, especially if you talk to people in the accounting field and you say, well, they'll, they'll tell you, they'll say, well, let me make sure I got this right. At a local kingdom hall, you have this very clearly laid out accounting process, auditing process and, and the public is shown and told what, what it is. At the circuit assembly, you have this accounting process and the public is told and then the audit is done. But once you move up to the district or the regional where the real money comes in at, nobody knows about that. And then when you move up to the headquarters, nobody definitely knows about that. And so it's interesting how the society has these processes in place, but all of a sudden it breaks down at a certain level. So it's interesting how that the reason that we just going back that, that we were actually in the red was not because of expenses so much, but because you were actually assigned a preset price before the circuit assembly even started. And so, this is why I tell people, you know, when you start asking critical thinking questions and stuff, you begin to see things like, that makes no sense. And so, it's gonna be interesting to see down the road, will the society ever, ever tell the Jehovah's Witnesses what was taken in at the regional conventions and how much has been taken in at the main office in New York. The likelihood, after a hundred years of not doing it, they probably won't, but yet they will come down like a ton of bricks if the local kingdom hall, which might take $200, $300 up a month or whatever. I mean, it's pennies on a dollar. And yet they, they have to make sure every penny, every dime, every line, every T is crossed, every I is dotted. And as you move up the higher scales of the organization, those things are not done. They're not done. So we invite people, you know, think about what you see going on around you. Don't just discard it. Ask critical thinking questions, and you'll be interested in the type of answers that you will get. This program was sponsored by Critical Thinkers.